then, then leaning into the words of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the man of all men, Jesus. Amen? So I believe we are honoring the day and honoring the Lord by, by doing this. So we started a couple weeks ago this new series on the coming of the Son and Man, um, starting in where Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, um, right at the end of his earthly ministry. Really important stuff for us as believers. And um, I just want to preface this all today because where we're jumping in is going to be a little surprising if you haven't been with us and maybe a little bit intense. But our focus point, the reason Jesus tells us ahead of time what's going to happen is so that we keep our eyes on him knowing he's the man with the plan. Got it? Like the end times, the, the return of Jesus, even the stuff happening in the world right now doesn't need to be scary if you know that Jesus told us about it 2,000 years ago, right? Because then it removes, it, it should never incite fear in us when he tells us what's going to happen because if he can tell us what's going to happen before it happens, it should remove the fear because it proves to us there's one who's in control, there's one who has a plan. Uh, I mean, who else can sit here and tell you what's going to happen the days before Jesus returned but Jesus? And it gives us great comfort. It equips us to walk with him in peace and to keep our eyes on the main thing, him. He is the centerpiece of the story. There will be a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things happening in the world right now. But you know who's in control? One man, Jesus. He is the centerpiece of the story. And there will be times and seasons um, that he has told us about that will be challenging. But in every time, in every season, he is working out his good purposes for us. He is working out his good plan at all times. He's always up to something good. He really is a good, good father. Amen? And I just want to give a shout out today, too. We have some uh, friends returning. We sent away four months, Jaden and Heidi, but they came back to visit. Um, and Jaden was actually slated to lead worship. He, and he was the inspiration. The, he brought the pure heart of worship and, and made the plan for today and then lost his voice yesterday. But I want to tell you that that sweet time was brought to you by the Holy Spirit and Jaden, Jaden Butler. So thank you, Jaden, for leading us with your heart in worship, even if you couldn't lead us with your voice in worship. But sure, make sure to hug them. Don't think they'll be back next week. They're going to go back home to Sacramento, so make sure to, to say hi. But we have a good father. He's in control. And, and here's, here's the headline of the story. Are you ready? It's really good. It's really, really, really good news. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> and we will see him. We will see him, the Bible calls it our blessed hope, that Jesus will actually return just the way he left. And when he comes, do you know why it's such good news? He's going to make every wrong thing right. He's going to set every captive free. His light will dispel all the darkness. Everything will finally be made right. It's what we all long for. It's what every believer, since he left the earth, has been crying out for. Jesus, come. Maranatha, Jesus, come, return. And it's actually what the creation has been groaning for. The, the earth itself is like, come back. And, and I would even say that every living soul longs for Jesus to be in charge. They may not know it, 
but the longing of their heart is for what only Jesus can bring. Peace, rightness, Jesus. He's the king that everyone wants. He is. So as we get into his word with that headline in mind, let's pray. Jesus, today we ask that you give us eyes to see you. Eyes to see your goodness, your power, your plan at work in and around us. And would you grant us that we open your word, God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see and know, understand things that we cannot on our own. Helper, Holy Spirit, come. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. So we're going to be in Matthew 24 again. Again, we started there two weeks ago, and we'll be jumping in the middle. So I wanted to give you enough context that you're going to get whiplash when we jump in. Um, And as I said, it won't be a um, Father's Day message per se, but I'm going to bring a strong uh, encouragement and exhortation to us as men in the hour in which we live. So the last time we started Matthew 24, Jesus, I believe, instigated his friends to ask them, hey, what's it going to look like when you come? How will we know what's the sign of your kingdom coming? And he began to describe in the beginning of Matthew chapter 24 the backdrop. There's going to be wars and rumors and war and, and ethnos. Ethnic group will rise against ethnos group. And the love of many, because of lawlessness in the land, that sounds familiar, the love of many will grow cold. But there will be those that endure to the end and the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. And then I will come. So that's the part we read last time, just quick, quick summary. Again, giving us the backdrop, but then giving us the main thing. There will be, there will be times and seasons that, that feel uncertain and have the um, propensity to cause fear in the hearts of those who don't know Jesus. But for those who know Jesus, there's, a, there's, another, there's another narrative at play, that all the noise is simply a backdrop for the church arising, for the gospel going forth so that Jesus can return. That's the foreground, not the background. The rest is the background. And so he goes on today where we pick up in chapter 15. And again, I've I've given you a lot here on purpose, (laughs) trying to gird you up so you're not whiplashing when we jump in on Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Okay, if you have a Bible, love you, look at it, device, feel like it'll go in your, bio, uh, your phone, but it's also right up here, as you can see. I believe I'm, I'm reading from the ESV today. So when you see, again, jumping in the middle of what you're saying, when you see the abomination of desolation, we're going to talk about that in a minute, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand... Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Verse 17, let the one who's on the housetop not go down to take what's in his house. And let the one who's in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then, in that time, there will be a great tribulation. Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Again, remember, this is the backdrop. It's just a backdrop. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And then verse 23, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, don't believe it. For false Christ, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. 
Verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand. That's there to kick out all the fear, all the uncertainty. I've told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. If they say, look, he's in the rooms, don't believe it. For, verse 27, again, see Jesus making this so clear. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's Jesus himself. And then he makes this interesting phrase, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Again, it's going to be clear. It's going to be obvious. You guys okay? (laughs) We're going to read a little bit more. Okay, just a little bit. Wrap up this section. Verse 29. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give his light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Verse 30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see. We just talked about this, right? They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Paints the backdrop, says, I'm coming, it's going to be obvious. And when I come, it will be with great power and great glory, and I'm going to bring you all to myself. It is our blessed hope. If you're a believer in Jesus, this is good news. If you believe in Jesus, this is good news. Okay. Uh, I, I know there's a lot there. Just shake off the rest and hear what Jesus is saying. I mean, how many of you like Christmas? Anybody? Enjoy Christmas. Enjoy celebrating Jesus' birth. How about Easter? Jesus rose from the dead. Woo! I mean, this is good stuff. Just line that up in there with like the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. That was awesome. You know what beats them all? When Jesus comes back, okay? But let's be honest about this story. I, I forget that. Not, no but. There's, but there's other parts to, to bring the beauty to pass. Before there was a baby Jesus, a young woman had to carry him and bear the reproach and then give birth. Ladies, I don't know. You know, I haven't been there, but I hear that's kind of intense. <laughs> Before Jesus could rise from the dead, he had to be killed and buried. But that wasn't the end of the story. Before Jesus comes back, there may be some carrying of heavy burdens. There may be birth pangs. There may be death, but there will be resurrection. Amen? So if we can celebrate Christmas, if we can celebrate Easter, we should really celebrate when Jesus comes. Because every other thing has just been a building block to this final glorious, glorious, great and glorious day. Amen? All right, so there are a few details, well, actually a lot of details that Jesus gives. And I'm not going to comb through them all because Jesus said what he means, and he means what he says. So you're smart people. (laughs) Um, but there are a couple of things that I think are are worth highlighting so you you can read and and understand that for yourself. So the the scenario may look intense, but it's taking us to the return of Jesus. Jesus painting the picture of the backdrop. This is the backdrop in which you will see the greatest glory you've ever seen. You will see me again. The whole earth will see me again. That's where this is all is going. He's coming on the clouds of heaven, 
with great power and glory. And oh, what a glorious day that will be. I feel that there's a song about that or something. So Jesus here, the great mentor, leader, teacher, rabbi, speaking to his friends and speaking to us, keeping the main thing, the main thing. And it's actually, if you slow down, it's amazing how clear this is. Like, there was a reason for this. He wasn't throwing this at them to be like, whoa. They had a legitimate question. Jesus, we want you king. He's like, I'm going to tell you exactly how it happens. And he gave this to them so that they would live as if they would see that day. Now, the guys sitting around him in this moment did not see that day. We might. It's possible. But I believe there's a reason for that. I believe every believer is meant to live as if we will see, to be watchful, to be aware. He gave us this information for a reason. And I actually believe it's the expectant urgency of his return that produced what we see when we look at the early church. We, we are like, oh, man, the early church. They really, I mean, I'm sure they were messy, too, because they, they were people, right? But, um, but God was doing amazing things in their midst. And how much of that was produced because they were a, a people urgently expecting and waiting the return of their king? They said, he said he's coming back. He said he's coming back. And I believe if we can recapture that same spirit, that same posture, I believe that's what he wanted to impart, a posture of expectancy, a posture of not being willing to settle for what we see right now, but to know that he will come and make it right. And the urgency on the inside that that produces in the way that we live, the way that we minister, the way we pray, the way we worship, he gave these instructions because it was important for us to live that way. Does that make sense? So it's not supposed to be scary or hard to understand because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And we're made to be expectant just as Matthew and John were as they sat around him that day and heard this, and Peter. Um, So I want to hit the first thing that may be unclear to us and and begin to dig into the Word of God. So where we started today, (laughs) which again was a strange place to start, but let the reader understand. Verse 15, he says, when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, as Daniel wrote about, as spoken of in the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in the Jews, so he begins to say, when you see this, it begins to unlock the unfolding of the intense times. So it's a, it's a really important question. Well, what in the world is that? Because we don't talk much about that. Now, his, his listeners in that time probably had a better idea because they knew well the prophet Daniel. They only had the Old Testament scriptures. That was their Bible, you know, and they grew up learning what the prophet had said. But the abomination of desolation speaks about, it's a strong sounding phrase because there is, it is, has strong implication. But to summarize it, if you go back to read Daniel and then Jesus says it here, and then Peter and John pick it up in their writings later, is, is really about God prophesied as far back as the prophet Daniel that there would be a, a political religious leader who would set themselves up in the temple where God is meant to be worshipped and force people to worship him. That's simple. That is the abomination of desolation because there's nothing more abominable than some human inspired by the devil to take God's place of worship. That's abominable, get it? And it's an abomination of desolation because he will force humans, the people all over the globe, to worship him. And that's desolation means destruction. That will destroy the fabric of mankind when people are forced to worship the devil. 
Got it? I mean, it's super simple. So now we know. The abomination of desolation will be one man who forces the people of the earth to worship him, inspired by Satan. We call him the Antichrist. That's the New Testament wording for him. There will be a true uh, political and religious leader who takes this space. Simple. So uh, this leader will take up leadership, will have influence and control in Israel because it talks about being the temple, putting it into temple sacrifices. That's a whole other thing. But there are several things that we take for granted in here that, that have been in question throughout history since Jesus said this. Israel lost their statehood. They regained their statehood. In, in the 40s, 1948. Um, and so we are closer now. There are people trying to restore and reinstate the temple on the Temple Mount and even reinstate the sacrifices. Now, I don't know if that's a requirement, so I'm not gonna go down that bunny hole, but I think they are signs of the times. I think the uh, uh, opinion, I'll just put this in the category of opinion, which means it's not on the, the Holy Scripture words, okay? I think that this can happen without temple sacrifices being reinstated. I think a man with political power and spiritual influence can call people and force people to worship him under the influence of the devil without there being animals being sacrificed. That's my opinion. Um, but we'll just stick with what Jesus says because that's the safe place. There will be the abomination of desolation. In, in other words, a very clear political religious leader who has worldwide influence who has the power to make mandates of the people of the earth to worship him. And we will all know it, and we will all see it. Okay, so uh, I don't think we've seen him yet. Maybe he's somewhere on the political scene, but there is no leader like that right now who has power over the whole globe trying to force people to worship uh, himself in the name of Satan. Okay, so we have not yet seen this, but... Jesus tells us that when this happens, it is the sign of a swift change, that it will unlock such, such an intense time, and that's where he goes, you know, let those who are in Judah flee, like, like pick up and leave, like it's going to be, from then on, it's a time of tribulation that the world has never seen before, and though there are shakings and quakings in our world right now, it's not this yet. This will be unlocked when the abomination, the Antichrist, is in power and forces people to worship him, okay? So we'll, we'll come back to why that's relevant to us today. <laughs> and then he goes to say, there'll be a time of tribulation, and then those days will actually be cut short for the sake of the believers, for the sake of us. God is so kind. Because ultimately, the, the people who don't follow the Lord will be reaping what they've sown by not following Jesus. This leader coming to be a power will be the desire of those that don't know the Lord. It will be the reaping of what the, those who don't live for God or live godless lives has sown. The, the fruit will be this leader. This, this abominable antichrist leader will be the fruit of that. And we will experience some of that, but God's eye is on his beloved. That we won't even experience the fullness of what we deserve or what the earth deserves for her sin. Those days will be cut short, and then he says, but look, people will be like trying to say, oh, Jesus came back. That's Jesus. Jesus is over here. Jesus is over there. And Jesus makes something else really, really clear. He says, okay, there will be the Antichrist leader, a time of tribulation, and then I will come and every eye will see it. It won't be like, you know, did Jesus come back? 
everyone will know that Jesus came back. Isn't that amazing? I don't know how that's going to look, but he says, just as if you're outside watching a thunderstorm and that lightning went across the sky, everyone sees it. It will be the same when Jesus comes back, and maybe it will look just like that. I don't know. But he, when he says that every eye will see it, and it's repeated other places in the scriptures, that means every eye will see it. If you're living and breathing in that day, you'll see it. In fact, I could make a case biblically again. We'll just put it in the opinion side. Even the dead, their eyes are going to see it. Everyone's going to see it. No one will be left out. Nobody oblivious will be like, what happened? <laughs> Jesus will come back, and they'll be looking for answers, and you will be equipped to answer them about the returning Jesus. And I believe even in that moment will be mercy as many, many come into the kingdom at the moment of his return. But again, it's opinion. Let's stick with the words of Jesus. So he's laying out some very, very important details. And now I might, I don't know where, where you've been or what you've learned or what you believe about these times. Um, and so just, we can talk later. Don't, don't shout me down. But I, I feel like Jesus putting up some pretty specific details about the time of his return is, is for our good. But I will say that I, at different times in my life, I was taught this idea, um, this phrase that, well, Jesus could come back at any moment. I mean, I suppose it's possible. And the idea behind it was like, be ready. No one knows the day or the hour. And that's true, and Jesus said that. He said, you, you won't know the day, you won't know the hour, but Jesus is actually giving some very, very clear signs and signals. Uh, uh, do you agree? Like, am I making that up? Like he says, there will be this leader, there will be this tribulation, there will be people trying to say Jesus has come back. Like, it's gonna be very obvious when this happened, and it's pretty clear this hasn't happened. But even if we rewind back to what we read last time, he talks about the gospel of the kingdom being preached to the whole world as a testimony of the nations. I'm reading this verse 14, just before we read today. And then the end will come. I suppose you could wrestle on that one, but most missions organizations think we still have unreached people groups. The really sweet thing about that is they are projecting that within 10 years or less, the gospel will be preached to the whole earth, to every tribe, to every people group. So actually, it's like we're on the cusp of one, one sign being fulfilled. It's not like they have to go one after the other. They could all happen at the same time. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain, at least the way it looks to me, is that the gospel has not yet been preached to all the earth, so actually the end can't come yet. Unless they re got reached, you know, in the last week and nobody told us, all right? But also, he says, the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist will be in power and the whole world will see it. And I'm pretty darn sure that hasn't happened yet either. So the idea that Jesus could come back at any time, I'm not sure it's the truest way to approach this. But I think Jesus gave it a signs and seasons so that we're anticipating, we're ready and maybe even praying for a hastening of that day. That's biblical, isn't it? I'm excited that we're so close to the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. How about you? And, and I'm almost excited to see that we could be in a place where at some point in the near future, the Antichrist could be put in power because you know what? I'm not afraid. It means Jesus is coming back. And so 
it's actually inevitable. So like, you know, we want to think we could put off the day. Well, not today, not tomorrow, but maybe after I die. Then the end of Christ can come back. Well, what about all of us longing for Jesus for centuries to come back? Let it come. Jesus wasn't afraid. And he'd say, be very afraid. Oh, no, that's not in there. Let him come. You know why? Because that means Jesus is coming. Come on. We want the gospel preached. We want Jesus' words fulfilled. Amen? There are three main players in the end time drama, and I'm getting off course a little bit. These, Jesus and his church, it's one team, that's us. There's the Antichrist and Satan's kingdom, that's the other team, and hanging in the balance are the nations of the earth, the ones who don't yet know Jesus. They're in the valley of decision, and the war is, is for their soul. And the time of the tribulation is for the time of those with the light to shine, not hide, to come forth. The power of God will be on display like never before. It will be on us. As much as sin will be coming to fullest expression on the earth, guess what? The glory of God will come to full expression in the church. And that won't be hidden either. So we'll come to a place where actually the gray becomes less gray and black and white become more black and white. And people will have the opportunity because of God's great mercy to see more clearly so they can say yes to God or no. I love that the light will shine and remove more of the gray. This stuff, all of this is, is, are signposts that will bring forth and unlock a tribulation period that Jesus is control of. Jesus is in control of it. And the fight will be over the worship of our hearts, and walking in, this is a great phrase, the spirit of Christ. (laughs) Uh, It's a great name for a church. But it is about worship. And I said I would bring this idea of the abomination of desolation, the end Christ, to to our modern day. And I'm going to begin to land this as we get here. But worship as we did today, in God's heart and mind, is, is never been something he would force us to do. Because worship by nature, for it to be genuine, is meant to be a voluntary choice. Because true love is only true love when it's voluntary. So Jesus comes to us over and over to reveal himself And show us that he loves us so that our hearts will be turned toward him. And so when we see him, we might love and want to give him worship. We would desire to give him honor because we see how great and how grand he is. It's not a a forced issue. It's that our hearts are wooed and there's no better choice for us when we see him but to bow down and worship him. And how much more on the day when he returns. It is our joy in this day, our delight in this day, to give him honor and praise voluntarily. Because we've already seen and experienced so much of his goodness. We have not yet seen the Antichrist leader. 
This is where I said I'd bring this to home and I would challenge us and exhort us. But the spirit of Antichrist is already at work in the world. That, that the spirit is at work in the world. And, and that's actually a part of the process because it's not gonna be so easy for you know, some dude to just suddenly rise to power and tell people to worship him. There's a spirit at work in the world, in the culture of the world, in the global climate, in the hearts of people today that is preparing an environment that will make it easy for him to set himself up on a throne and call people to worship him. And that is the Antichrist spirit. Does that make sense? The Antichrist spirit prepares us for this place of worshiping this man who is not Jesus and bow down before this one that is not the son of man. So how do we get to that place? Because it's not, again, it's not going to be an easy turn unless the ground has been tilled over generations with an antichrist spirit. What does that look like? Let's let the Bible define it. How about that? 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 to 4 John, who is sitting in this original conversation with Jesus, talks about this. And again, it's very simple. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 to 4. I'm just going to read. It'll be up here. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus has come in the flesh is born of God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world already. Verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So every spirit that acknowledges or confesses Jesus Christ as Lord is of God, and every spirit that does not is the spirit of the Antichrist. So the spirit of Antichrist, at the end of the day, is the rejecting of the lordship of Jesus. And what I believe it becomes in our modern day and age is the worship of self. The, the, the narcissism at work in the world is paving the way for us to be easily swayed into bowing down before another man who says, worship me. It's the spirit of self-worship, and even we as believers have to learn to acknowledge and war against that spirit in our own lives. Now, let's be honest that not many people, even those that don't know the Lord, would never stand up and say, I worship me. (laughs) But it's about the way we posture our lives and what determines what we invest our time, our money, and our energy into is how we determine and identify what we truly worship. So I believe the temptations today are subtle but strong and absolutely real in the spirit of Antichrist, and we want to make war at them in our own life. I would say more generally, the way I see it manifesting, and now I'm going to begin to shift and speak a lot to us as men on this day, to empower and equip us today um, to to war against this in our lives. And, And I believe the fruit of the Antichrist spirit comes in the form of pride, seeking personal pleasure, self-preservation, and people-pleasing. 
And when we give ourselves to feeding our pride, our personal pleasure, preserving ourselves, we forfeit our God-given design as protector. And more bluntly put, and I believe like this is being so exposed right now, if you read the headlines, and even and especially I believe judgment is coming to the church right now in this area, because when one is not a protector, they become a predator. And that is what we see being put on display and exposed in the mercy of God. It cannot be allowed to stay in the church. So he's exposing all these abuse cases. And God have mercy on us. And God bring healing to the victims. But what has been sown into the hearts of so many in, in, in this culture, and especially men, is to be predators. And what a predator does is looks to consume. We've taught, been taught in our, by our culture and by media to, to consume and use women. That's the spirit of Antichrist. It is a predator spirit. But the people of God, men of God, we are designed to protect. We are called to come in the opposite spirit, to defend the weak to protect the vulnerable, to elevate and cherish women in our families, in our churches, in our midst. And God is calling us to, to fling off the spirit of the age, to fling off that predatory spirit and become the protect, protectors we've been called to be. Amen. Do it, Lord. So two things as we wrap up. The truest, and this is for everyone, the truest antidote, men and women, you, can, you should be in on this one too. The truest antidote to the Antichrist spirit at work in the world is a, being a wholehearted worshiper of the one. The one true God. The son of man. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. This, let this be to call the call to all of us. And men, I want to speak to you on Father's Day. Let this be the call to all men to be wholehearted worshipers of God. Not just in this space, but yes, in this space. We should be wholehearted in our praise to the Lord. But also in the way we lay our lives down for the people around us. The way we serve the world around us. The way we deal with our time, our talent, and our energy, that we would be called as wholehearted worshipers in this age. And the second greatest key, I believe, in this hour is a Christ-like life, a spirit of Christ life. To be like Jesus. To use our strength not to serve ourselves, but in the service of others. To live the example of Jesus who laid himself down, Philippians 2, to lift us up. And whatever strength we've been given should be used to lift others up, to lift others up, to make them greater, to give them greater honor, to give them greater position. I believe it's one of the greatest weapons against the Antichrist spirit, to live a laid down life just like Jesus, a spirit of Christ life, if you will. Because I believe, again, coming back, this is for everyone, but I'm coming back to the men that God has given us strength. Speaking to myself. He's given us strength. But it's not for us. It's for others. 
He's given us strength to protect the vulnerable, to provide for those in need, to be the one who gives, not the one who takes, to be a support and not to tear down. We are strong because he's made us strong for the sake of those around us. Amen? May we be the protectors. May we be the strength to those who are weak. This is our divine destiny of calling our joy and our pleasure in this hour to walk in the strength of the Lord for the sake of others and to bow our lives down in worship to the Lord. Amen? All right, we're going to wrap up. I would love if someone could get um, like our teachers because we got dads in the kids' room and the nursery. We got Marvin in the youth room. Let's all stand together. Um, and uh, we're going to end with a prayer, but we're going to bless all the men, so I need them all back. Uh, <laughs> that we're going to bless everyone. If you didn't get one of those um, green pages, uh, men, let's make sure everyone got one of those. Tom, can you grab those out from the foyer if that's where they are? Um, and make sure all the men have one of these. This is going to be our declaration. Again, we do this every year. Um, we, we make this declaration from the Lord over ourselves, not just fathers, but all the men, just like we do on Mother's Day. I believe I have it on slides as well. So Tom's going to come around and make sure you all have that. Um, and this is just a simple declaration. Um, let me tell you, I didn't come up with this. If you're a student, you'll notice every one of these things is straight from the mouth of God, from the Word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Actually, ladies, you're going to need one of those too because you're going to help me out. If you're not a man, get one of these. Everyone get one of these, all right, because I'm going to let you declare blessing as well. Now, if you're standing somewhere and you don't have a dad or a brother or a son near you, can you just go get near one of the men in this congregation? Get, get real close because you're going to declare a blessing over them. So all you ladies, uh, you're going to be uh, deputized to release blessing here in a minute um, on the men, young and old. Hey, th welcome back. Welcome back. I knew you all didn't want to miss out, too, on all the gifts we wanna, we're going to give out. So I'm going to first just pray a prayer over us, sealing the word of God, the message, and then we're going we're gonna to speak this declaration, and then we'll... Let you all add the gifts and treats we have for you on this Father's Day. Let's pray. Father, we bless you today. We thank you for your son Jesus who leads us in a procession of triumph unto the day of your return. Lord, I pray that we would lay down every weight that hinders, every sin that entangles. God, every lesser thing that we've served and we would be your people wholehearted in love for you, voluntarily worshiping you at all times in all things with our energy our time our talent our treasure god and that you would empower us help our holy spirit to live christ-like lives to live in the spirit of christ and not the antichrist that we would lay our strength in to give to others that we would lay our lives down to lift up others that you be glorified and magnified in the men of this spiritual family young and old as we walk this walk of Christ who, who laid, went to the lowest place and now has the highest place, that we would walk in humility and give our strength to strengthen others in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. All right, so I'm going to read this through one time so you know what goodness is about to hit your life. And then all y'all women are going to declare it over the men, and you're going to change the pronoun. You're going to say, you are. All right, and then we're going to let the men take it for the final reading in first person. But this is what it says. Again, the word of God is powerful in your mouth. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm a dearly loved son of the Father, and he is pleased in me. Jesus is proud to call me his brother, and I am a co-heir of the Father's kingdom with him. I've been given power to overcome every temptation and to walk in Christ's victory in every circumstance. The grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness, my sins have been completely forgiven, and my conscience is cleansed. I'm clothed in the armor of God himself, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit strengthens and empowers me. It's my joy to serve those around me in the manner that Christ has loved me. And the last slide, because I don't have the page. Maybe I forgot to copy that one. Nope, maybe I forgot to put it on there. Can I borrow? All right. Uh, I have been given kingdom of influence and authority in Christ. I bring strength, hope, and peace to every situation by the glory of Christ in me. And the crescendo here, I love this. We use this for the ladies too. Sin has no hold on me. I belong to Jesus. Death has no victory over me. I belong to Jesus. My fears can no longer control me. I belong to Jesus. There is no condemnation against me. I belong to Jesus. I am strong in the Lord. Amen. So now we're going to put you ladies on, on notice here. Find a guy. Lay your hand gently on him. And I want you to declare this whole thing over our men, young and old. The little guys are in on this too. In, and change the pronoun to say you are. Okay, ready? Set, go. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You are a dearly loved son of the Father, and he is pleased in you. Jesus is proud to call you his brother. You are a co-heir of the Father's kingdom with him. You have been given power to overcome every temptation and walk in Christ's victory in every circumstance. The grace of God teaches you to say no to ungodliness. Your sins have been completely forgiven and your conscience is cleansed. You are clothed in the armor of God himself, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit strengthens and empowers you. It's your joy to serve those around you in the manner that Christ has loved you. You have been given kingdom influence and authority in Christ. You bring strength, hope, and peace to every situation by the glory of Christ in you. Sin has no hold on you. You belong to Jesus. Death has no victory over you. You belong to Jesus. Your fears can no longer control you. You belong to Jesus. 
There is no condemnation against you. You belong to Jesus. You are strong in the Lord. Amen. Hey, ladies, you did that really well. I didn't hear you trip up on the pronouns. Come on. Good job. Now keep your hands on that guy. All right, don't move. You're strengthening him in the Lord. Now, guys, it's all us. I want you to say this. I want you to say it like you believe it because the words out of your mouth have power. They have divine power from God. All right? Let's go. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I am a dearly loved son of the Father, and he is pleased in me. Jesus is proud to call me his brother, and I am a co-heir of the Father's kingdom with him. I have been given power to overcome every temptation and walk in Christ's victory in every circumstance. Hallelujah. The grace of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness. My sins have been completely forgiven and my conscience is cleansed. I'm clothed in the armor of God himself, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit strengthens and empowers me. It's my joy to serve those around me in the manner that Christ has loved me. I have been given kingdom influence and authority in Christ. I bring strength, hope, and peace to every situation by the glory of Christ in me. Sin has no hold on me. I belong to Jesus. Death has no victory over me. I belong to Jesus. My fears can no longer control me. I belong to Jesus. There is no condemnation against me. I belong to Jesus. I am strong in the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Bless the Lord. All right, well, we do have these gifts. They're for all the guys, young and old. So take the socks, take the snacks, save the books for the dads. But help yourself. Ladies, if you want to escort them over, if they're being shy, you can do that too. But be blessed. And we do have special refreshments as well, so stick around. Uh, the prayer team is here if you need prayer. Right up on my left to your right.